I'm excited about how technology is uh, being democratized, how it's plunging in cost. One of our missions is to positively impact one billion people. The relevance of a new technology to solving problems that affect like a billion people. Great stuff happens because someone inspires someone else to do something. The next wave of innovation is going to be eroding the territory. How's it, Cooperative Samaritans? Welcome back to another episode of Exponential Africa, where today we are chatting to someone who focuses on solving some of the global grand challenges and has worked in over 52 African countries, as well as many other countries around the world educating, inspiring, and trying to solve the water or energy or education crisis. We have Nathaniel Calhoun, who's the faculty chair at Singularity University for Global Grand Challenges with us in studio. Take a listen, and I hope you enjoy. None of this would be possible without the incredible support of our partners. Our main collaboration partner is the Development Bank of Southern Africa, who's also our first Singularity U South Africa country partner. The DBSA has a massive focus on how to bring prosperity to all South Africans through infrastructure development, communications, technology, water and energy, and have some incredible projects you'll be hearing about in a few months. Our global partner Deloitte is also a country partner with us, and we have been building an amazing relationship with Deloitte over the last three years. Working with their team has really shown us how Deloitte really does live up to their mantra of delivering impact into Africa and helping their clients transform and be ready for the future. Next is our strategic partner, who is also a country partner and has been on this journey with us for the last three years, MTN. MTN is Africa's largest mobile network and is leading the way in communications, bringing data and communication to millions of South Africans and Africans. Welcome back to Exponential Africa, where we, the sun is shining, we're at the Singularity U Costa Rica Summit, and we are fortunate enough to be sitting with Nathaniel Calhoun, who's a Singularity University faculty chair on Global Grand Challenges. Nathaniel has had an amazing career. He's lived in over 50 African countries. He consults with governments, with banks, with corporations, on how do you create innovative change looking at new business models, new forms of money, and cooperatives. Nathaniel, thanks so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. I always enjoy talking with you. Uh, so Nathaniel, tell us a little bit about your background. You've lived all around the world. You've, you've focused on education. Where, you know, what really makes you tick? I did get started in education, um, classroom education in West Africa, uh, the Middle East, and a little bit in the United States. Um, I was always teaching at very privileged schools. Um, and it started to bother me that uh, the, the gifts that I was bringing to education were only reaching a small group of people. Uh, that's what got me interested in technology because I saw technology as a way to reach a lot more students. Um, I got into that online mentoring, started to get some contracts through UNICEF, um, and then started looking beyond the walls of the school and beyond the confines of the Ministry of Education, looking to people that uh, are in the informal economy, um, people after school age that don't have many opportunities, and really started grappling with the future of work, uh, you know, about 15, 20 years ago. Um, and yeah, in a variety of, um, a lot of different sub-Saharan African countries. Uh, and, and I'm still now really focused on the types of business models and the types of uses of technology that can help advantage people um, who are kind of left out of the economy today. 
And I mean, how are some of those technologies help, helping people, like in, in terms of cooperatives? What is a cooperative and uh, how does it work? So cooperatives have been around for a really long time, uh, you know, different forms of human cooperation as long as you could go back. But the, the Rochdale principles were signed in Manchester, UK back in the 1800s. And they commit cooperatives to um, aligning with certain things, like having a voluntary and open membership, um, being democratic, economic participation of the members, continuing education, and so forth. So in their truest form, there are just a set of principles that make sure that the way that something is held uh, between people is as equitable as possible, and that the people are constantly advanced by being part of it as opposed to the command and control structure of a C corporation that can happily uh, send all of the power of choices, all of the power of financial gain up to the board and the executive level and neglect or even automate like the lower tiered structure. So in your country, South Africa, um, it's one of many countries where cooperatives don't have the best reputation. Um, people can think of them as bureaucratic or corrupt or somehow slow or inefficient. Um, and people say the same things about government. Uh, or about democracy as a whole. It's funny, nobody says that about corporations. They don't say the idea of a corporation is broken. They assume a corporation can and will innovate. There's absolutely nothing preventing cooperatives and government from innovating at a similarly fast pace. And they are innovating like that all around the world. So cooperatives are doing that now in ways that are going to be profoundly disruptive to normal business. Is there a rise in cooperatives uh, in today's time because of technology and because of these new platforms that are allowing people to work together you know, from varying distances and places. Yeah, I do think that we're seeing um, a rise in the cooperative sector, at least in any number of countries. Uh, part of the reason is cooperatives last longer. Um, whenever you ask a room full of people, uh, like if I start a business today, what's the likelihood that my business has failed two years from now? Everybody says, you know, like 85%, 90%. We know it's the, the strong majority of businesses will fail. Cooperatives are much more likely to succeed. It can be that they're 10 times more likely to succeed, or they're just 30% more likely. It depends on the industry and the country. But they have a distinct advantage in their survivability, oh, wow. which means over time, their representation within a given economy should grow, right? Because they're not dying as fast. And yes. now we're starting to create them with greater frequency. We have accelerators that are built especially to accelerate cooperatives. And we have new funding mechanisms that are coming in to fund cooperatives. That had always been a sticking point before because venture capital wants to take um, not just your profits, but some of your voting power. They want to control how you operate. You can't do that with a cooperative. You would cease being a cooperative. So there's new uh, platforms like coop.exchange, which are designed to help people who believe in cooperatives or who think that there's revenue to be generated from cooperatives to invest in them simply um, through like an application that's probably on like a blockchain uh, backbone. Oh, well, I love the whole concept of this cooperative. It's, like, it's not just about the top layer. It's about the entire supply chain and about making it equi equitable, like you said. Yeah. What are some of the other new business models you're seeing that are coming out? Well, I'll, I'll stay with the kind of cooperative sector for a minute because um, one of the things that cooperatives typically didn't have to their advantage was like economies of scale or network effects. And so they could be outcompeted by companies that could be pushing a brand all over the place. Because if you are in a dairy cooperative in Botswana and I'm in a dairy cooperative in South Africa, what do we need from each other? Probably not much, right? Yeah. Like why would we have the same brand? We don't need it. Right? But now that cooperatives are starting to build and share digital infrastructure with each other, they have a reason to franchise. And so we've actually seen this with um, house cleaners in New York City. 
They were very underpaid, uh, technically like low-skilled job area. They cooperativized and gave themselves a brand, raised their standard of living and raised their um, profile in the economy. But then they created a digital platform for uh, acquiring new customers and keeping track of their business. Amazing. Now they're reaching out to other groups of house cleaners in other states around the US and saying, do you want to use our digital infrastructure? Because if you do, you can be a franchise of us, a cooperative. And they have an entirely different franchise wow. structure. But then that becomes like a really, a really powerful vehicle for empowerment for people at a level of labor that hasn't been advantaged in a very long time. And it's sophisticated because it's using digital tech. I mean, that's so interesting to hear about all these, these, that's giving the underprivileged or the disadvantaged a new way of uh, rising up, yeah. which is really exciting. What are some of the new forms of money? You mentioned new forms of money. Yeah. So that's a good one because like one way that you can um, become more uh, resilient is to own more of um, the businesses that you operate in or own more of the pieces of the economy around you. One of the things that we're using all the time is money, and we don't own that, right? Maybe our Federal Reserve owns it. They're printing it when they feel like it. They're putting the interest when they feel like it. Um, there's a big move now to create complementary or social or local currencies, brand new forms of money that operate either just within a certain locality or just within a certain industry or just within a certain cooperative, right? And so we're in Costa Rica. There's a Costa Rican company called Cambiatus, which came out of um, the Global Solutions Program at GSP, or indirectly. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they help to do is to create these complementary currencies for people who are kind of in the same industry. So here, there's all these shop owners. Um, they own like little, uh, you know, convenience stores that sell smaller than a supermarket, bigger than a stand. They created a, a currency, a digital uh, currency for these uh, folks, and they call it like their uh, a pulse because they're pulperias and now they have pools. And so they can spend these with each other. That means even if this economy goes into some kind of recession and even if these people are doing less business than before, they still have a level of liquidity amongst one another. Incredible. Yeah, it, wow. it buffers you from some of the macroeconomic um, kind of shocks that ripple through the global system now and then. And if you take that one step forward and you're like, okay, what if... Would it be beneficial to you if you were routinely transacting in like five different digital currencies? Let's say there's one that's based on your neighborhood. There's one that's based on the football team that you support. There's one that's based on oh, where wow, you that's shop. So interesting. All of them are insulated from other shocks. Amazing. Thank you so yeah. much. I think we've run out of time. Cool. But uh, there you, he you heard it from Nathaniel. New forms of money, cooperatives. We didn't get to touch on global grand challenges. We'll have to bring him back for that. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to our page. Nathaniel, thanks so much. Cheers, man. So there we have it. New ways of creating businesses, new types of business models, and new ways to cooperate together to create the future we all want to live in. If you like that, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels. Have a great day and keep smiling.